0: One of the greatest World Cups in recent memory is coming to an end, and so far it has delivered and delivered. Welcome to Doha Diaries. Hello, people and welcome back to doha diaries your show from two house media covering the world cup in qatar 2022 and what a world cup it has been i'm joined with usama once again usama how are you doing my bro you good
1: yeah man i'm good man how are you
0: i'm good i'm good and uh honestly bro what a world cup this has been we're here of course after the semi-finals uh, looking forward to the third place playoff uh, and the final over the weekend, where Argentina will be facing France, of course. And and honestly, what a tournament this has been. I think, first of all, of course, we'll have our full reflection next week, but it's genuinely been one of the best World Cups in recent memory uh, up till this point, uh, hasn't it? And especially with the upsets that we've seen happen all the way throughout until the semifinals, of course, with Croatia and Morocco making it to the semifinals, it's really delivered, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, I think even from the first game, um, it's just been a wonderful World Cup to watch. And I think, yeah, just being a neutral and supporting multiple teams uh, just gives you like, a different perspective. Um, and I think, yeah, just like you highlighted, um, the amount of upsets that we've seen this year within the World Cup. Um, honestly, I don't remember this many upsets in the previous ones.
0: Yeah, I would have I would have absolutely loved just one more if Morocco were able to do it yesterday. And they played well enough to do it to be fair to them. Uh and we'll come and talk about them uh, in detail. I think uh what we're gonna do, we'll leave the, the final chat to, to the second half of the podcast. And we'll we'll start talking about the big teams of course that we saw this week lose in the quarterfinals. Uh Brazil, Portugal, England being the notable, notable ones, of course. And all in, in their own dramatic fashion with their own storylines uh Brazil first of all my pick for the tournament i i still think that they have been the best team so far uh, in this tournament but that last minute goal from croatia after an amazing sensational goal by neymar it just dashed their hopes and that penalty shootout of course it's you know it's a toss of a mm. coin and 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 they ended up meeting their end at that stage and I, i've i've been really disappointed by that i think it, we would have been treated to an incredible semi-final with Argentina facing Brazil, um. But wh- how do you look at their their campaign uh, and the way that it went?
1: I think they've they've entertained us. I think that that's the main thing with Brazil. Um, they love entertaining the fans with the skills, the flares, and even the goals that they've scored. But I think I just have to put a question mark on Tete and his. I think probably his mistake for bringing on the wrong substitute. Um, you wonder up. You've got a couple, of, what, the second half of at a time left. And yeah, I think he brought in Fred, which was a mistake instead of either bringing in someone like Fabinho who's more defensively minded and just kind of cement his place within the middle and not allow Croatia to get past them. And yeah, I think it's just a stupid mistake where they push forward in the latter stages of the second half. And yeah, they just got caught on the counter. Um, for them to kind of push Players further up the field when you won it up. I think it's a mistake where I don't know whether it's the coach or the players themselves, but they should have just sat deep and kind of just sealed the game up.
0: Yeah, but uh, in terms of the tournament as a whole, this they really had a chance. Uh, and your point is correct in terms of how they've entertained the fans. It's been the most entertaining Brazil team since the peak early two thousands team, um, and they definitely ticked that box. But do you think for them this is a missed opportunity. Because this could have been their first World Cup in 20 years, couldn't
1: it? 100%. I think, without a doubt, looking at the left-hand side of the draw, within the quarter-final and semi-final, you'd probably put your best bet on Brazil making it through. Now, obviously, like we said earlier, there's been a numerous amount of upsets within this World Cup. And, yeah, with Croatia going through, is a massive upset.
0: Yeah, and, you know, like you said, shout-out to Croatia for that, but there, were, there was an annoyance within a lot of people of yeah. the, the fact that they, they won that. But I, I think Brazil really, really will look at this as a missed opportunity for them. Uh, I think Do you as think this fans, is... we definitely would have seen a more entertaining game if they, they faced Argentina. Coming on to the team that I thought was probably the second best, also fell in the quarterfinals. And they found the downfall against Morocco, and that's Portugal. They really put a marker down with that performance in the round of 16. And Morocco... Played their best game of the tournament, probably in that Portugal game, where they took the lead quite early on in the game, held it defensively, didn't look bothered at all. And the Bernardo Silva, Abdul made a good point in the preview, that Bernardo Silva just doesn't play to the same level he does for Manchester City when he plays for Portugal, and that game really showed it. Bruno Fernandes, one of the players of the tournament up until that point, was their only creative outlet in that game. And they didn't have the finishing, but they didn't have the creation in the first place to to do anything. And for me, the bigger mistake was rushing to bring Ronaldo on because the second he came on, any momentum that they did have died. And they really, really could have put a statement out in that half of the draw because they would have looked at it quite favourably. Uh, and it's a shame, but they're going to be back in the future with that young squad, aren't they?
1: I think you're right into saying Joao Cancelo and Bernardo Silva, who are elite football players uh, and the player are a really high standard for Manchester City, but we've not seen that within the World Cup itself. I think whether the manager himself, Santos, has kind of taken a different tactic, a tactical mindset to it, and just trying to play the more kind of force creative players in uh, into the team or. Just try something different. Um, But you have to give credit to Morocco, who defended fantastically throughout the game. And yeah, after they got the first goal, I think their main aim was just kind of sit deep and let Portugal kind of try to run in behind or cut out the spaces, which they did amazingly.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll we'll come on to Morocco, of course, in more detail in a minute. But Portugal definitely, definitely will look at that as as a missed opportunity. Uh, finally, England. Now, of course, they were facing the world champions, but we could probably, there's a lot more probably to say on that one, because England were probably the better team in that game. Yeah. You know, there's an argument, say, France didn't have to get out of third fourth gear, but England were the better team. They created more chances. They were the team that was on the front foot in the second half. They really, really took the game to France. And it was a missed opportunity for them, because they really could have put out a statement. Winning that game, facing Morocco in the semi-final which would have been another tough game but then you're, again you're, you're back to where you were in the last World Cup, at least you've not gone backwards, the substitutions baffled me how are you not bringing on players at like the 60 minute mark or just after you've scored the, the management of the game by Southgate was shocking especially when you consider that England's strength is their bench in comparison to other countries and he didn't utilise it Why are you bringing on Marcus Rashford and Jack Grealish in the last five minutes of the game? You're not giving them an opportunity to influence the game. It's like you're saying, I haven't treated you guys well. Here, save my job for me at the end. Rather than giving them an opportunity to actually perform.
1: I think, yeah, you're right. I think there's a lot of refereeing decisions that didn't go England's way. And also, I think Harry Kane missing the the penalty, the second penalty, um, is their biggest downfall. Now, obviously, a lot of pundits and the English media won't really kind of put blame on Harry Kane for that. But, um, and I think, yeah, um, he is to blame for that penalty, for that penalty miss, and kind of seeing England out. I think you're right to highlight that Southgate has made weird decisions throughout the tournament. I think making decisions such as the substitutions, like you said, later on within the game, doesn't really help anyone, because players like Rashford, Grealish, and so on, they need five to minutes to get into the game. And if you're bringing them on the last five, couple minute, five minutes or so, it's not helpful.
0: Yeah, and, and, and also for me, it's taking Saka off, who was England's best player. There are some people saying that he had a knock or something, but he was England's outlet for the, for the attack. He was their best player up until that point. He was where chances were coming from. I feel with Southgate, sometimes he doesn't want to take a risk. He always takes off players for like for like. If he takes a midfielder off, he brings a midfielder on. If he takes an attacker off, he puts an attacker on. He would never take Henderson off, move Foden to the 10, put a winger on, whether that be Rashford, Grealish, or whatever, and go for it more. Like he, He's very, very safe, and I think that's what cost them. And I think that's what's been England's downfall in the last couple of years. I think if you have a manager who's not trying to be safe with this set of players, you're going to win things. That Euros final... That game reminded me of the Euros final where he didn't make any substitutions until right at the end. Again, him being safe is costing them, and of course, it seems like the decision will be down to him whether he stays or goes. What do you think the right decision would be if if you're the FA and you're making the decision? I think
1: honestly it depends on which managers are available. Now, I think a lot of a lot of them want it to be uh, an English manager. Um, others just prefer anyone that's kind of more of like a serial winner uh the names been thrown out there are kind of difficult to understand for example pochettino now i know he's not won many trophies with paris saint-germain or tottenham but do you think he has enough experience to actually guide this england team to a trophy
0: i like pochettino um th- what he has in his corner is that he's a modern coach for me, the, the, the debate about it is very interesting because I've, I've heard, I understand the views from all sides. I understand the view that it doesn't need to be an English manager. As long as he's an elite manager, that's fine. But then I, I, I truly believe that there is some credence to the fact that international teams should have a manager from that country. This is not an English thing. It's just you look at the final four in the World Cup, for example. Morocco managed by a Moroccan manager. How many times do we see African teams managed by European managers, French or Spanish managers, and it's not working out? Regregi comes in, in the summer, three months, and he has them performing to a point where they're reaching the semi-final of the World Cup. Argentina, of course, an Argentinian manager. Croatia, a Croatian manager. France, a French manager. And there's never been a team who's won a World Cup with a, a foreign manager. I think there's some credence to the point that then maybe it's a level of understanding or communication or whatever it is and at some point we are going to have a team winning the World Cup with a foreign manager especially as the world kind of moves forward and borders break down and so on but the question is whether there's someone who's English who's good enough the reality is at international level you don't have to have like an elite level manager to win things you can have a very good manager to win things. Southgate had a 30% win record in the championship. And he's gone to England and he's he's done fairly well with them. So, if you get a Premier League level manager, I think that's probably good enough for England to, to kind of go forward. You know, I've seen some names out there. Frank Lampard, Scott Parker, something of that level could potentially work for England. But I also understand the point of view that if, if you are going to not hold back people based on whether they're English or not to shell uh, is, is a standout name of course
1: I think the names that you've thrown out there I don't think there's many good English managers like
0: but that's what I'm saying they don't have to think, be elite no but as they're long only as they're com- as, long, as long as they're competent that's all you need international football bro let's look at all the managers at the World Cup none of them are, are gonna go to Champions League teams probably apart from Enrique maybe The rest Mm. of them aren't going to be going to Champions League level teams. So, like, international football isn't as demanding of a coach because there's not actual coaching going on. I just don't know who that could be, to be honest. I
1: think the only good English manager I can think of right now would would probably have to be Graham Potter.
0: No, but Graham Potter isn't going to take it. Uh, uh, Graham Potter and Eddie Howe, of course, are the two standouts, but neither is going to take it given that they're, you know quite recently in the So, jobs.
1: if the opportunity came for Steven Gerrard, would you give it to him?
0: No, not Gerrard. Lampard, yeah, not Gerrard, though. Okay, why Lampard? Because I don't think Gerrard has had enough experience. Like Lampard has had more experience than Gerrard, managerially. Lampard's been in very, very tough p- spots and managed to get teams out of them. I'm not Lampard's biggest fan, but Lampard's got a team into the top four in that Chelsea side when he was managing them. Lampard did save Everton from a relegation last season. He's got things on his CV that Gerard doesn't have. I've seen the Gerard link. I don't know. It might work from a motivational point of view, but uh, that, that's not something that moves me personally.
1: But yeah, like you said, like, look, if you can get Steven Gerrard or Frank Lampard, because there's not many good English managers out there, you've just got to compromise and take someone else. Uh, now, do you think Tuchel will be able to actually come in, play a couple of games throughout the year, kind of navigate what he thinks his best team is and then move on from there but i think with him he loves to be more tactical that rather than anything
0: that's fine Uh, uh, to be you you don't have the time to do
1: that
0: i i disagree personally because in in a tournament it is more tactical than coaching because making decisions in the right moment is what separates you from 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 the others, in my opinion, and of course we've seen him come in within six months to win the Champions League with Chelsea in a knockout tournament. Knockout football is a totally different, yeah, animal to to league football, of course. So we'll 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 have to see what happens with that, and of course we'll bring you the news as soon as we hear it uh, in terms of who will be the New England manager if Southgate was to step down. Moving on to summer, I want to spend some time now talking about the Moroccan miracle because Morocco as a team have not just inspired a generation, inspired a continent, inspired a region. They've inspired the world in the way that they've gone about this tournament. And it was a real shame to see them not make the final. And of course, we hope that they managed to secure that third place uh, on Saturday. But the way that they've gone around it, the camaraderie, the way that they've brought the, the, the fans together the you've seen the Moroccan fans absolutely take over every stadium they play in. The level of commitment they have to each other, the defensive the defensive mentality they've brought into games, Le Greghi's amazing tactical flexibility. They've really, really been a joy to watch, haven't they?
1: Yeah, of course, man. I think like you said within his press press conference, he's going out there to get results. What he's done in the sm- in the short space of time, um, you have to give credit to him. Yeah, no, I think Morocco have had an exceptional tournament. I think they've kind of caught the hearts of many um, within their own country and obviously throughout the world. I think a a lot of Arab nations have kind of been supporting them. A lot of African countries have also done this because I think now they've given African teams, or African countries, an extra two places within the next World Cup. And yeah, for sure, they're the first African team to make it through to the semi-final of the World Cup. So you've got to give a lot of credit to the team and the manager for what he's done.
0: Yeah, they really have been an absolute joy to watch. And honestly, I think the best thing to come out of this will be the legacy that it leaves for players who have been brought up in the diaspora of, of, you know, away from their countries of origin. As we mentioned on the last podcast, of course, that this will work as an inspiration for them to no longer feel that they have to play for the countries that they were either born in or grew up in win something on the international level or to get far on the international level that you can play for the country of your origin and still make a semi-final or a final or win the the World Cup Uh, and that's definitely been something that has been in the thinking of many players when they've chosen who they play for I think teams like Nigeria and Ghana especially could be absolute forces in world football if players chose to play for them rather than England or France and so on So I think this is only a positive for African football, for Arab football. And one thing I want to comment on as well, and it's not not something that gets accounted for, but I truly believe that this run might play an important role in securing the 2030 World Cup for Morocco to host. Because they try every year, and for every edition that comes out, and they've not been successful yet. And I think as it stands for 2030, they are the only team, the only country, sorry, that has put in a bid where it is the only host. Every other country is a shared bid. And I really hope that this run plays a part in determining who gets that World Cup and Morocco gets it because I think it could be huge for African football.
1: I think you're right. I think it's, it's, it's a massive stepping stone for African football. And yeah, long may it continue. Um... I'm hoping, come Saturday, they're able to get the result and finish third. And I think if they do, then you're right to say that their legacy will continue.
0: This tournament has not been an accident by Morocco. They have top players playing in top clubs. Hakimi's at PSG, Bono's at Sevilla and Nasir at Sevilla. They have top, top players. Amrabat's about to get a big move. This wasn't an accident. This wasn't a coincidence. This was playing well against good opposition at the top level. If they made the final, they would have had the toughest run to a final ever in the history of the World Cup. Credit to them. And long may it continue. And I hope they're back in the next World Cup to challenge again and to show what can be done.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right to say that the, the run that they faced is exceptional to actually beat the teams.
0: And their fans... Have been absolutely amazing. They've absolutely carried it. When I was in Qatar, everywhere you go, you see the Moroccan flag. Every game you go to, there's the Moroccan flag, uh, and the way that they've really, really raised our heads as Arabs has been absolutely beautiful to see. al Ras uh, and Dima Maghreb. Moving on, Osama. Let's talk about two teams that have made the final: Argentina and France. Now. Let's start with Argentina. Of course, they got that win against Croatia, 3-0. Probably their best performance of the tournament. What have you made of Argentina this World Cup? I think
1: there's been a lot of expectation on them to actually win the World Cup. I think coming in, there were 30 or so games unbeaten. Um, and to be fair, it's a really good record. They won the Copa America. Seeing seems that they had a really good run of form getting into the World Cup, uh, a lot of expectation was on them. Um, now, I think the first game was against Saudi Arabia. And that one caught everyone off guard. I think everyone went in thinking this is going to be a total wipeout for Argentina. Uh, a few of the teams, such as Holland. Now, if you're 2 up within the first half, you're expecting them to actually go on and win the game with ease and comfort. But I'm just a bit unsure about their defensive side to as well as their midfield well, they've lost a bit of balance. Um, I think watching them through Copa America, they had the salsa who's been playing for them. And I think because he picked up an injury, they don't have that balance between the midfield and the attack going forward. Uh, so that's the, the biggest downside to it.
0: I think, th- what I will say about Argentina, I, haven't, I wasn't impressed by them up until the Croatia game, I'll be honest. And the, the Holland game could have gone either way. They really could have lost that on penalties. And the the question well the the one positive i will say that i've taken out of their performances is that they seem like they've getting they seem like they're getting better as the tournament goes on and usually we find that that's the team that ends up winning the world cup the team that starts off slow but slowly gets better through the tournament now messi of course he's been the standout player for them i do believe that they have been quite lucky in many games like in many games, they might have struggled. The Croatia game is an example of that. It was a very close game up until that penalty, which was dubious, to say the least. And they've had their fair share of luck. The first penalty against Saudi Arabia on the same day, we saw a similar penalty not given. The Chesney one against Poland was the most shocking. Like, how the guy went for the ball with an open hand and it got given as a penalty. Like, what? The The one against... And the one, yes, the one, yeah, and the one against Croatia for me was not a penalty either. Like, Alvarez runs into him. Where, what's the keeper supposed to do there? So I, I do believe that they've had their fair share of the luck, and and that's fine. You make your own luck at the end of the day. They're gonna come up against a force uh, in in France. What do you think the weaknesses are for Argentina?
1: I think their defensive side. I think they just seem too aggressive, too eager to jump into tackles. And that, that'll create enough space for Mbappe and the likes of Dembele to get in behind with their pace and the power. They play quite deep though, don't they? But that's also the downside, because if they want to either push players up to get to Messi or Alvarez, it'll take them longer to get there, meaning that their attacks have to be quick. And with Messi doing that, with them pushing their players further up the field, it, it's, it's kind of, you're, you're chasing backwards afterwards because... You don't have the best of both, and this is where the balance comes in. The midfield is not strong enough to kind of move up the pitch and also come back down as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah, they they, they tend to switch the midfield up quite a bit. To be fair, we've seen Paredes come in for some games. Uh, we've seen, of course, Enzo Fernandez coming for some games. There's been quite the shuffling when it when it comes to that midfield. The the one question mark I also do have, and I think if he plays, Argentina have a, a strong case. Is, is Angel Di Maria. I think if he plays, they can definitely, definitely do damage to 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 France on the front foot without having to kind of soak up any pressure first.
1: I think I've got to give a massive credit to the manager for dropping Lautaro Martinez and bringing in Alvarez into the team. I think Martinez, even though he's looked at as a better striker between the two and the more clinical, but with him, he doesn't offer what Alvarez does in in terms of freeing up space for Messi running in behind allowing Messi to have the extra space or extra chance to get a touch in I think yeah I think them two if they perform well within the final I think it's Argentina's to win and it just all goes down to whether Alvarez and Messi keep keep that connection that they have done
0: coming on to the other side we, we of course have the world champions France making a final for the second successive tournament, which is absolutely incredible. And to be fair, when you look at the generation that they have and the level of players that they have, it's not not a surprise, to be honest with you. They could, of course, be the first team to win it back-to-back in 60 years, which is absolutely phenomenal if they do it. Uh, And the star man, of course, has been Kylian Mbappe. We'll come on to him in a moment. I want to give flowers to Antoine Griezmann. He has been, for me, France's best player this tournament. I'm, Mbappe has put up the numbers Mbappe has put up the, the the moments of magic but that team does not work without Griezmann that team does not go this far without Griezmann we saw Pogba drop a joke yesterday say Gries-kante. You know the way he's all over in that midfield the energy he's brought to the team the the way he links the attack and the midfield yesterday we've seen him put in tackle after tackle he has been France's best player for me he, he is within for the for the World Cup player of the tournament. For me, the player of the tournament is is between Amrabat and uh, Griezmann. It'll probably go to Mbappe and Messi because we know people love the big name. But for me, it's uh, Griezmann or, or Amrabat. Amrabat for me, the way he's been amazing. But Griezmann really, really makes that France team tick, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think a lot of people had doubts with France going into the World Cup. I think a lot of injuries to Pogba, Kante... Came. the midfield
0: area basically
1: yeah and with a player that's more attacking minded like Griezmann you wouldn't think he'd have this good of a defensive mind in terms of kind of covering up the space getting back into the midfield and trying to add extra legs to um give extra legs to Tuchemeni and Rabia um, I think yesterday's game him Fofana and Tuchemeni did everything they could to kind of hold out Morocco who yeah, like you said earlier, were the better side and were more favourites to actually win the game throughout the game when it progressed. But I think Griezmann has been France's best player. I think him, and I have to give a massive shout out to Ibrahim Konate for his performance yesterday. I think that slide tackle to stop NNC from scoring from a couple of yards out just goes to show I think he is a much better defender than Apomakano. And I think if he does start, he will cause problems for Argentina.
0: Yeah, but both have been been sensational. Been like I said, Griezmann Griezmann stands out, of course. But we can't we can't not go without talking about the star man, Kylian Mbappe, who really has taken this tournament personally. And we mentioned on the last podcast kind of the difference between this and the last World Cup. But with this with this one, he really has almost carried them on on his back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and and yesterday and and yesterday when they were coming under pressure in that second half. It was a moment of magic where he dribbled between a couple of players for for the second goal. And uh, and that goal for me showed that Mbappe can still do it in tight spaces as well as open play. And, and he really has taken this tournament by storm. Of course, he's behind Lionel Messi by an assist on the golden boot. Maybe he'll score in the final and, of course, put his name to that. And, you know, as I predicted pre-tournament, that he will win the golden boot. He's really had an incredible career arc so far when you think about it. Like, wherever he might end up all time is a question mark that we will come on to in future years, of course. But if we just look at the start that he's had to his career, it's absolutely phenomenal. Like, the rise at Monaco, amazing, great. Moving to PSG, making the big move to a big club going to that World Cup and bursting on the scene like the way he did, coming to PSG, turning himself into the main man, in his head at least, and then now coming to this World Cup and really taking it by storm. And if he, of course, goes on to win the World Cup, that's two World Cups in a row for him. That's nine goals already in World Cups, a tenth if he gets one in the final. He's probably going to break closest record at this level if he continues to play at this level and play in a couple more World Cups. Have you been, how, how impressed have you been with with, with Kylian Mbappé?
1: I think there was a lot of expectation and a lot of pressure on him um, going into World Cup. I think after the injuries, um, he was kind of the star player and is their star player within this French team. And I think he's kind of embraced it really well and he's taken it on his shoulders and kind of wanted to show the world, look, I'm still young and I still have the skills and the potential to be classed as world class and be up there with the best names in football and he's, he's gone and done that throughout the tournament. I think his just raw pace, power, his finishing, his position has just been amazing and I have to give him credit where he's due and I think him winning the Ballon d'Or after this World Cup, if if they do go on and win it, I think it will be rightly deserved and no one can really kind of put a question mark on it. I
0: I mean, I don't think no one can put a question mark on it because I do think that the Ballon d'Or is more heavily influenced by the Champions League. Of course, But I I agree with you in a sense that it it gives him the strongest case that he's probably had until now. I personally do think if he wins it, he will win the Ballon d'Or, just because I do believe that PSG will still do well in this year's Champions League anyway. Uh, and to be honest, he will probably deserve it if he continues this form throughout the yeah. whole season as well. Uh, uh, the World Cup, of course, plays an important role. And speaking of the, the Ballon d'Or, of course, the Ballon d'Or winner, Karim Benzema, hasn't been with the squad since the first game because of an injury he picked up in training. Now, De was asked if there's a chance that Karim Benzema comes back for the final. Because there's rumours that Madrid have given him leave now, apparently, he's been training with Madrid again, but there's been rumours saying that he's been given leave to come back to Qatar for the final. Now, it's a very weird story. Very, very weird story. And Benzema himself put something on his, on his story, hinting at it. Do you think there's a chance he plays in that final? Or do you think this is just kind of mind games and, and teasing the public?
1: I, I think if it does play a part into, in the final, think he'll do really well um, I'm hoping he does uh, I, I I highly doubt it to be fair I think coming back from injury he's not had enough game time he's not
0: yeah I, I agree I, I can't see him starting I do think it's probably some mind games from Deschamps I don't think he will play it would be a beautiful story for him to, to come on and and get the World Cup medal that a player of his level deserves especially as a French player missing out on the last World Cup coming into this World Cup with expectation on him, I think it would be nice for him to get it. And, and to be honest with you, I hope it's the case, even though I don't expect it. Let's come to, to our predictions for the game. What do you think will happen on Sunday? Do you think that France will win their second successive World Cup? Or do you think Messi will finally get his hands on the trophy that he craves?
1: I think it's uh, probably one of the most difficult questions. You've asked throughout the day. Um, I think for the whole legacy, um, I'd love Messi to win the World Cup, so I'm rooting for Argentina.
0: I I didn't ask you who you're rooting for. I asked you for your prediction. Argentina. I haven't been as impressed with them as France. Uh, Listen, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be one-all. I think it's going to go to extra time. And I think Kylian Mbappe is going to have a moment that sends him into the echelons of Of the greats. It's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a very interesting game for sure. Uh, And I really do look forward to it. It's going to be entertaining. I think a lot of people have liked the balance of this World Cup where we've seen plenty of upsets all the way to the semi final, but the final has still given us two historic, two top level teams with absolutely incredible players. Uh, It's going to be an amazing game. And of course, guys, we'll we'll be there to give you the roundup and the reaction to that game earlier next week. Osama well, actually, before we go, let me just ask you what you think uh, on Saturday. Who do you think wins the third place playoff? It's a replay of the group game. Again, last World Cup was a replay of the group game between Belgium and England. This time it's a replay of a group game between Croatia and Morocco. Who do you think wins? Um,
1: I'm going to say Morocco. I think they've been outstanding throughout the tournament. They've beaten the big boys. And yeah, one, one last game where they can cement their places to get this far within a World Cup.
0: Yeah, I really hope Morocco will do it, and I think they will. Uh, I think they win it in ninety minutes. I think they win it 2-0, uh, uh and and they're going to really, really bring some some joy to to the African nations and an African team finishing third in the World Cup. Uh, shout out to Abutreka. He made an incredible point um, after the game yesterday. He said that we're watching Arab fans cry tears not because they didn't qualify for the World Cup. Not because they didn't win a game at a World Cup. Not because they didn't get out of a group at a World Cup. They're crying because they didn't make a World Cup final. That's an incredible moment uh, in football. Uh, and we we sure hope that future World Cups give us more of them for Africa, for the Arab world uh, as a whole. Osama, thank you for joining me today as always. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys for joining us this week on this episode of Doha Diaries by two halves media of course following the world cup we will of course be back to our normal show the two halves show and boy it's going to be good to have it back especially with things heating up in the NFL and the NBA thank you guys uh, and until next time keep it locked